Well, last uh, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, uh, we were looking at the two parables. Actually, we were going to do three. We only got one of them Sunday morning, one Sunday night, and we'll try to do another one uh, this morning. And uh, the first one's in Gospel of John chapter 9. I won't read all that. Uh, I will briefly refresh ourselves on that. But the Gospel of John chapter 9 is where this man that was born blind and been blind all his life. And uh, the Lord revealed something to us, to this church, uh, that I've never seen before. And you say, it's something new? No, it's not anything new. It's always been there. <clears throat> but he chose to reveal it to us at this time. And there's always so much in that ninth chapter of John. The, uh, the, the man, he was born blind uh, as a baby. This was the Lord's will. And the reason he was born blind is he tells his disciples, they said, what, because he sinned, because one of them sinned. So no, it's that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And let me just say this. I didn't bring it out uh, before, but the works of God was made manifest in him as people saw this. But I am confident that as this man went and preached and declared and witnessed, the works of God continued to be made manifest. So uh, he was uh, given his sight, of course. He was cast out of the synagogues. Uh, his eyesight got progressively better. To start with, he said, they said, well, who healed you? Well, it was a man called Jesus. And we see a progression. His eyesight got better. At the end there, we saw, and he worshipped him. So very interesting. But what I had never seen before was, I, I thought about it, but he spit in the dirt and made clay and rubbed his eyes. And I thought before, my only thoughts was, that had to, that didn't feel very good, you know. And I didn't <clears throat> think of the significance. The Lord, as, as we look at the two parables and the third one this morning, Lord willing, the Lord could have healed Penny. He could have healed him anyway. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to make uh, spit in the clay and take the mud and rub in his eyes. He didn't have to do it that way. We know the centurion and his servant. The Lord didn't even go to him and he healed him. So the Lord didn't have to do it this way. So we ask, why? Why did, he, why did he spit in the dirt and make mud and clay and rub in his eyes? Was there something special about this dirt? And we studied that. Actually, there wasn't. Very interesting, though. That word ground there is only used two times in the Scriptures. That was very interesting. But there was nothing special about that that would do it. Well, what about rubbing it in his eyes? Did that take some scales or something off, you know? Well, it wasn't that. Well, what was, what was special? Why did the Lord do it this way? What was special about it? Was it the, the saliva? Was there some kind of chemical makeup in the saliva that, that did it? It wasn't that. And the key to it is, so where does the spit come from? Out of the mouth of the Lord. And that's the key to understanding, and that's the teaching here that I had never seen before. Out of the mouth of the Lord, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So uh, uh, we, we looked at that, and, and out of 
out of the mouth, the word, the words of God, out of the mouth of the Lord. That's where all the healing, that's where it all comes from. So we, we saw that in this, where this man was, was born blind. And again, we saw that his, he was restored physical vision. And again, it got progressively better. I think he also gave him spiritual eyesight at the same time. That's when he worshipped the Lord. Uh, then we looked at... Uh, Oh, it, let me mention this too. So he sent him to wash, full of Siloam, sent. He sent him to be washed. And, and Ephesians 5 uh, said that he, as far as regarding his church and his sheep, he washes them with the water of the word. So, uh, so he sent him to be washed, again, washed with the water of the word. So that was uh, John 9. And then we looked at uh, Mark uh, chapter 8. So here was something uh, similar. So here was a man that was, was blind. And the Lord took him by the hand. Well, let me, that's only, let me just read this. It's real quick. Uh, Mark 8 and 22. And he came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man to him, and he besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. And led him out of the town. That's important. We haven't touched on that yet. But he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes. And put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw anything. So here it doesn't talk about the clay. But it does talk about what comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So he spit on him. And he touched his eyes. And uh, he said. Uh, well first. He put his hands on him, and he asked him if he saw anything. He says, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So I picture him looking down to ground, and the Lord spitting his eyes and everything. He said, do you see anything? He says, he looked up. I think he was just looking out as I'm looking out now, and he saw man. But what did he see in man? He saw men walking as trees. He really saw this big, powerful, mighty man. That's what he saw. Did the Lord leave him that way with that vision? Now, the Lord could have healed him all the way the first time. But he did this way for our learning and our admonition. So then the Lord touched his eyes again. Uh... And in verse 25, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. Now, this, the other time said he looked up, but this time the Lord made him look up. And I think he made him look up to heaven. In other words, this is where this eyesight is going to come from. So after that, he put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So we ask do you see man clearly? Do you see man as totally depraved? Do you see man, as Isaiah says, that we're all an unclean thing, all we're righteous and stars filthy rags? Or do you see man walking like trees and all his power and so forth? 
responsible for his own salvation, responsible for his own righteousness. Do you see man clearly? And certainly he did at this time. And something else here, I, uh, let me just mention, then we'll go on. When it says he looked up and said he made him look up, and uh, we'll see that again in our, our look in this third parable, looking up. Our Lord looked up when he would pray. So he, and he made this man, he said he made him look up. So does it matter the position of our body when we pray? Should we be looking down? Should we be looking up? Doesn't matter the physical posture of your body. Should we have your eyes closed? You say, well, I think your eyes should be closed. Well, then, <laughs> typically five days a week when I'm driving to work, uh, probably 99% of the time, I'm praying all the way I'm driving to work. So don't be doing that with my eyes closed. <laughs> or even looking up as far as that goes. Or in this. So it's not the position of your body. Now, as we're praying, our minds should be on him above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's where uh, our eyes, spiritual eyes, should be, looking, looking up, not now, certainly not looking at man, and certainly not looking at man as trees walking great and powerful. Nebuchadnezzar is what he thought about man. Uh, he said, after Daniel interpreted that dream and everything, and the king was going to be taken away from you. And a year later, and I think he's marking the calendar, and a year later he said, wait a minute. I built this kingdom, my might, my power, for my majesty. How did he see himself? walking as trees. But the Lord uh, corrected his vision, actually. In Daniel, the fourth chapter, he says, you know, uh, all that happens over the earth is reputed as nothing, including himself. So, uh, so the Lord didn't leave him with this partial vision, seeing man like this. Looked up, made, made him look up. In other words, this is where your healing comes from. And then he saw man clearly. And I, I, I pray, and I do pray, that we see man clearly. Not, not as Nebuchadnezzar saw him. Not as the Pharisees saw themselves. Not as the world sees themselves. You're responsible for your own salvation. It's what you do, it's your choices. I do pray constantly that we see man clearly. So now, the uh, third one uh, on this, and it's in Mark, the seventh chapter, and just a uh, few short verses here. It's not very long. Mark 7 and uh, verse 31. And again, departing from the borders of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the borders of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him 
to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside. There again, remember he took the other one, led him out of the town. Here, took him aside. Very important. We probably won't get to it today. But took him aside from where he was. Uh, and he took him aside from the multitude and put forth his fingers in his ears. And he spat, spit, and touched his tongue. So now it's not eyesight. Now it's hearing and speech. He had an impediment. He wasn't speaking properly, clearly. Here he touched his tongue. Again, spat, spit, out of the mouth of the Lord. That's the importance of this, of this spit. Out of the mouth of the Lord. So out of the mouth of the Lord, he touched his tongue. Gene Masters in his uh, witty kind of way, he was here Sunday night and we were studying this and afterwards he shook my hand and he said, I want to tell you, you're full spit. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> we pray that the Lord does fill us with spit, that he touches our tongue, that we declare his word, seeing man clearly. So uh, uh, let me read that again uh, in verse 33. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up, signifying where all these blessings come from. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened. And the string of his tongue was loosed. And he spoke plainly. I think there's even importance to this order. First, he began to open his ears. After he had this hearing ears, then he began to speak plainly. Again, and all this fits together so well, uh, so blessed, and, and that he revealed this to this body. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we look back at him. Was he seeing clearly? Was he speaking clearly? No, he saw himself and man as this great thing. I built this kingdom, my might, my power. But the Lord, after seven years, I believe seven years, uh, teaching him, then he opened his eyes, opened his speech. He says, he doeth according to his will in the arm of heaven and among the heavens of the earth. And uh, uh, all the heavens of the earth are reputed as nothing. Then he saw himself as nothing. Before, a tree. And he spoke tree. But now, he's speaking differently. Oh, man is nothing. We're on the receiving end of his grace and mercy. So, it uh, says he touched his tongue. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, if you have a page marker here, we'll be coming back to this probably, Mark 7. But Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, study is, is good. Study is great. I pray that he would cause us all to study more. But there are people that uh, study a lot, but 
it takes the Lord. Uh, so Jeremiah chapter 1, and uh, you're familiar with this. Let's just go to verse 9 maybe. Uh, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Same thing was in our, our uh, miracle this morning. He spit and he touched his tongue, put his words in his mouth. Not, not man's words, not man's doctrine, not the traditions uh, of man. He put his words in his mouth. And I'll read something else, maybe a, a different subject, but I want to read it anyway. Verse 10. So after he put his words in his mouth, See, I have this day set thee over nations and over the kingdoms to root out. In other words, you've got, you've got my words in your mouth now that I put there. Root out. Pull down. Destroy. Throw down. And we are to do that. As we look at the doctrines of the world, what they say that's not true, that's not out of the mouth of the Lord, we're to tear it down. We're to destroy it as servants of the Lord. But something that uh, someone confessed to me one time, said, boy, whenever I first learned the doctrines of predestination and sovereignty, I just, I just cut the legs out from under them. Is that what it means? And I've done that too. But there's something else it says here. See, I have this day set thee over the nations. This is after he put the words in his mouth. And the same is true for you and I. And over the kingdoms to root out, yes. To pull down, yes. To destroy, yes. To throw down, yes. To build and to plant. Brother, sister, that's, that's where the love comes in. Should we, is that part not important? Is it only to tear down? See, that shouldn't be our goal. And, and again, the brother that confessed that to me, and then I thought, well, yeah, I've been guilty of that too. Boy, I'll just, I'll show them. I'll just cut, cut the legs out from under them. But our goal in destroying that should be to build them up. That the Lord would use us to open their eyes, to open their ears, to touch their tongue. But Jeremiah, the Lord put the words in his mouth. And, and no different than the miracle in our text this morning. Touched his tongue, put his words in his mouth. Spit out of the mouth of the Lord. Uh, and then... Uh, in this uh, text as well, in, in Mark, says, and looking up. And, and I was going to, I won't take the time to do it, but we can go through many places and find the Lord whenever he, remember he had the, the fishes and the loaves and he was going to feed the 5,000. And said, he looked up and he prayed. Didn't have to, but that's another part of the teaching. It comes from above. And again, a constant reminder to us. It's not the position of your, your body, but always the position 
of our mind that he calls us to realize it all comes from above. It's not us accepting, rejecting. Our salvation is not in our, in our hands. It's not we're men walking like trees, all this power. Look up. For Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Uh, so then our text there, it also says uh, in verse 35, And straightway his ears were opened. So he hadn't been hearing, but the Lord opened his ears. And of course, Proverbs tells us, the seeing eye and hearing ear, both of them are from the Lord. You should be so thankful that the Lord is giving you spiritual ears. Physical ears, yeah, I'm glad I can hear. Not as good as it used to be. But the spiritual ears, because you couldn't hear a thing unless he opens your ears. He gives us life. He calls us brings us out, begins to open our ears and our eyes, touches our tongue, spit. It's all, but it all comes from above. So he opened his ears. Uh, and you've, you've talked to people and have a scripture Maybe you quote it. Maybe you're at a place you have a Bible and you can open it. And you show them. And they can't see it. They can't, they can't hear it at all. Doesn't mean that they never will. I know actually a couple people now. But I know one uh, many times he said uh, Brother Austin would, uh, they would talk at work. And he would go home, take his Bible, study to try to prove him wrong. Because he couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. But the Lord used Brother Olson through the body of Arabia to open his ears and open his eyes, touch his tongue. But says he, then it says, and he spoke plainly. He loosed his tongue and he spoke plainly. Those of you here this morning, those listening by recorded message, has he caused you to speak plainly? Now, I'm not talking about literally. I, I, I mumble and stumble and, and all those mispronounce and about everything you can say as far as physically speaking. But has he caused you to speak plainly? Has he put words as he touched, as he spit out of his mouth, touch your tongue and give you that you speak plainly? I heard a man, I think it was yesterday morning, used to, I didn't give the name of people, but if they're on television broadcasting it and they're not ashamed of it, uh, so as long as I'm telling what they said, but there's a man named Mike Murdoch. He's a very good, he calls himself a preacher or whatever, man of God. He's a very good fundraiser. He's very wealthy. He talked about planting seeds. Talked about how he planted a $1,000 seed and he got this much back. And he, was, he planted an $8,500 seed and he got this much back. So basically, you plant those seeds to me and you all get all this money. He's very sarcastic. And... Uh, 
he'll make fun and 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 his teaching and everything he says uh, well you'll say well uh but god's will will come to pass and this is what he said i'm quoting him i i, I wouldn't misquote him i'm giving you his name he says god's will rarely comes to pass is he speaking plainly I know how he sees man walking like trees. I know how he sees God. Poor little defenseless God that needs our help. His will is not coming to pass. He's constantly disappointed. But he says God's will rarely comes to pass. And he went to scripture. I don't think I'll go there. But uh, in Peter, and like I said, if you haven't been faced with it, you will be as you witness for the Lord. But it says uh, in... in uh, Peter there, that uh, uh, God or said he's not willing that any should perish. He says, so see, God's will rarely comes to pass. And we've discussed that many times, and I'll just touch on it again. There, when it's talking about he's not willing that any should perish, he's talking about us. He's talking about a particular group, and he says he's not willing that any should perish. Well, his will come to pass. Yes, not one of them will perish. Now, he talked about the they's and the them's. But he, but he went on, uh, God's will rarely comes to pass. And somehow he turned it all into, sow some seed to me and you'll be rich. But does he speak plainly when he says God's will rarely comes to pass? Is that plainly? In Isaiah 48, now I'm going to go to a couple scriptures, and the Bible is full of it. Uh, Isaiah 48, and the first three verses. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. And that's what this man's doing. He's making mention of the God, but not in truth, not in righteousness. It says, For they call themselves of the holy city and stay themselves upon God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. It says, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, I showed them, I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Well, maybe this is just a, one of those, he says, God's will rarely comes to pass. Well, maybe this is one of those rare places, you think? Uh, Isaiah uh, 46. You're very familiar with it, and thank God that you are. Uh, verse 9, Isaiah 46 and 9. Uh, well, let, actually, let's go, let's go to verse 3. Hearken to me, you house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from their birth, who are carried uh, from the womb, and even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs will I carry you. I have made, I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. 
To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? So, sounds like to me God's will is coming to pass there. And then look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. So he's going to give, in verse 10, as many other places, he's going to give a description of himself, and this description will not fit anyone, any other thing. I'm God, there's none like me. And look what he says in verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient time things that are not yet done, say, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. This man on television said God's will rarely comes to pass. Uh, it's hard for me to find words to describe that. It really is. Is he speaking plainly? Has the Lord touched his tongue? He doesn't have the word of God. He may speak of God, but not in truth. Well, you know, you hear men talking about their free will, free moral agency. John 15, we'll read a couple of scriptures there before we go on. <clears throat> I'm going to say something else that's on my mind, and I don't know the answer to, but regarding this man that said this thing, and I've heard other uh, say just as foolish things, and, and, and I don't know the answer to this, but I think of it a lot of times. Uh, so in the time of judgment, I'm not talking about the judgment seat of Christ, unless the Lord opens their eyes and ears, they'll not be at the judgment seat of Christ. <clears throat> but at the at judgment, who will be better for? Or who will be worse for? Man that says God's will rarely comes to pass. He don't have the power to bring his will to pass. Although this man reaches millions of people talking about God. I suppose he talks about Jesus, although I never heard him. Or the man on television, I'll mention his name too, Kenneth Copeland, several years ago. Point your finger at yourself and say, God needs me. Reaches millions of people. In a day of judgment, again, they're not going to be the judge seat of Christ unless the Lord opens their eyes. Or what about... The individual that will never go to a religious service. All churches are hypocrites, they'll say. But the only thing they've heard is people like I just gave examples of. When they'll say, I know I can't do what they say. They're not doing what they say. And they're hypocrites. And I know I can't do it, but they'll, they won't go to a church. 
because they say, oh, I can't do what they say. And they're hypocrites because they don't do what they say. Again, it's just a question because I don't know the answer. But in judgment, who would it be worse for? The, the man really he has, or this individual, I'll try to keep saying man or woman or whatever, but this individual has been given a certain amount of knowledge. I know I can't do it. I know they can't do it either, although they're hypocrites. Chuck, that individual has a certain amount of knowledge. But this other over here tells me how much they love God and so forth and so on. But, you know, his will rarely comes to pass. Point your finger at yourself, say, God needs me. I don't know the answer to the question. Who will be worse for in judgment? I've got an idea. But it's just my opinion. So, okay. Uh, so, talk about man choosing God. And the Lord makes it so clear, doesn't he? Plain. You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. That's plain speech. Now, what I hear from the world is not plain speech. It's up to you to choose the Lord. It's up to you to do everything. You take the first step. You choose. You turn over a new leaf. You pray through. You live above the Ten Commandments law. You, it's all you. Are they looking up? No, they're looking out, seeing man as walking as trees. Scripture says that we, well, let me go. John, now we're running out of time. John chapter 6, we're close there. Uh, John 6 and 37. This is spit. This is words out of the mouth of God. Jesus Christ. Verse 30, John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Where is the free will of man there? It's not there and it doesn't exist. Only in the figment of the imagination of the minds of those that see men as walking as trees. That's the only place free will exists. Uh, we could go to the 10th chapter. We're better now. We're, we're kind of running out of time. So, speaking plainly, and, and Acts chapter 15. You're going to have to really rush here. Uh, but this man... He wasn't speaking plainly before. The Lord opened his ears, and certainly his eyes were open. Uh, and then the Lord touched his lips. He spit. He touched his tongue, actually it says. He spit. He touched his tongue. He put his words in his mouth, and he spoke plainly. So here in Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 1 and certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So this, the first church at Jerusalem, they came down, and they, they went out, of course, and they went down here, the church, I believe, in Antioch, and said, Listen, unless <laughs> you're circumcised, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but unless you're circumcised, keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. Is that plainly? And then, so then, there was a, a big... Uh, 
discussion, <laughs> probably heated. So the church there sent a, sent a group up to Jerusalem to talk about this matter. So they went up there, and then they had some small talk and everything about what the Lord had done. But then verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed. Now these were, Pharisees were the law people. They, they knew the Mosaic law inside and out. That's what they, they were lawyers, so to speak, in that respect. But these were ones, these Pharisees believed in Jesus. A lot of them said, well, he's a Beelzebub. But they didn't believe that he was a Beelzebub. Now, did they understand anything about Jesus? Not at this time. But listen to what they said as if they spoke plainly. But there rose up certain other sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Is that plain speech? said, well, I believe Jesus is the way, but you still got to do this. Still got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. Is that plain speech? So, uh, let, me, let me hurry. Uh, and the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing... Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Hear the word of the gospel. So the Lord had touched Peter's tongue. Now Peter's speaking the word of the gospel, the truth. In other words, he was full spit. And verse 8, And God who knoweth the hearts bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, now therefore, you that believe, you've got to keep the law of Moses as well. Now therefore, why put God to the test? To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. So he asked him a question. They come down there and say, Listen, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but you've got to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised. And he says, why do you put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? He said, you can't carry it? Your fathers couldn't carry it? Why do you put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? In other words, you're not speaking plainly. And now... Peter, by God's grace, spoke plainly in the next verse, in verse 11, plainly. But we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Plain. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and buddy, I think you, you mentioned that we talk about it often. Paul spoke very plainly. <clears throat> He says, I determined not to know anything among you. Say, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's very plainly. <clears throat> By God's grace, I pray that I will always speak very plainly. People ask me, well, how do babies get to heaven? I know what the world would say. Well, if they die before they're 12 years old, then they're okay. After they reach the age of accountability, then it's up to them. You ask me... By God's grace, my answer will be, you say, how do babies get to heaven? I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ and crucified. I'm not going to tell you, well, a baby hadn't really sinned yet. The baby's got to have his blood. We're all sinners. The scripture tells us that very plainly. 
Ask me how one a person that's developmentally disabled, we used to call it mentally retarded. Ask me how they get to heaven. By God's grace, I'll say, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now the world will say, well, I believe God would make a special way for them. Oh, God made a special way. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, how about somebody <coughs> on abandoned, <coughs> deserted island, <coughs> no preacher to go speak to him, no radio, no this, no that. How's, or, or the same scenario in the jungles that no man ever been to outside of these tribes. How will they be saved? <coughs> and still, plainly, Jesus Christ him crucified. So this man, the Lord spit, touched his tongue, and he spoke plainly. So as we look at all these, it's all looking it up. It all comes from the Lord. We don't look at man, we're walking as trees and we're valuable, we're important and we're so smart and everything like that. And we're so good. We don't compare ourselves among those that compare themselves among themselves. We're looking up. So this one here was healed from above. Through Jesus Christ. And again, he didn't have to, to spit. He didn't have to put his fingers in his ears. He didn't have to spit and touch his tongue. He didn't have to do it that way. It's for our learning and our admonition. Out of the mouth of the Lord. Man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we see this healing of the blind. And now the hearing and they speak clearly. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.